for Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan, presented by Greenbelt Premium and Devonis, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy football speculation and advice. Fantasy Football Weekly is brought to you by Fanball.com, Town Hall Family, Greater Twin Cities Honda Dealers, Joe Sensors. Hudson Ford, and by Park Tavern. Now, now, along with Fanball.com, Scott Fish, Matt Harrison, and Brian Johnson, here's the fans, Paul Charchian. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is week number 12, Fantasy Football Weekly. We're uh, we're getting near nut-cutting time. Oh, I don't know what it means. I don't like. The, I don't like. I don't even like thinking about what that might mean. Nobody wants their nuts cut. That's uh, what I'm I know looking for it up sure. Now, yep, I, nobody wants that. Brian Johnson, Matt Harrison are my co-hosts today. Uh, good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, many teams, you may find yourself in a sizable deficit right now after after the uh, the games on Thursday. Yes, nut cutting time. Okay, the point when you have tried everything but failed. Well, the nut cutting time originally refers to the effort required to remove a rusted or stripped nut. It has come to be used as legislative context as a time to exert maximum effort to round up votes. Really, it's it, a, it's, it's, a it's, about, thing it's about or? screws. Really, like your your bolt got rusted and you can't get it off with a wrench, so you cut. Oh, it. oh, you cut it right. It's rusted it's not, off. It doesn't have anything to do with testicles. Oh, okay, it's rusted nuts. Got it. I can got just it. sense the ratings plummeting right now. Yeah, probably. Um, not cutting. We've got all kinds of good stuff to get to though over the course of the show. Of course. Take a chance on me. We'll give you nine players uh, you can start that you normally would not, many of whom are on the waiver wire. You can also play along with three hot questions, premature speculation, and the final premature speculation of the year coming right here this week. And then uh, lightning round, of course, and all of the matchups, including Pittsburgh taking on Denver. Brian, the uh, the whole home road thing for Ben, still it's a little up in the air right now. Uh, overall, he's been better on the road this year. Hasn't had like the the massive explosive games that he typically gets at home, but hasn't had the dreadful games either. And then last week shed no light on it because for three and a half quarters he was awful, awful. And then he ends up with two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown and puts himself into a good position for a solid fantasy day on the road last week. Now he gets Denver. What do you make of Ben Roethlisberger this week? Uh, safer floor than normal on the road, it feels like, for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, he seems to at least come away with 250 and two on the road. Where in the past it was like 180 and one and three interceptions. So guys like Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Phillip Rivers, averaging over 305 yards and two and a half touchdowns against Denver recently. Uh, Ben's still of that ilk even on the road. So I'll give him a solid B here, okay. uh, mainly because I just absolutely love Antonio Brown this week. Everyone loves Antonio Brown every week, but this feels like the week where he's going to go double digit receptions for 100 yards and maybe a crooked number in terms of touchdowns. Yeah, possibly, yes. He's going to get Bradley Roby and Tremaine Brock on the outside who are not, they are no Aqib Tlaib. No. Uh, yeah, so Denver's secondary is a thing of the past, so easy A for Brown, but Juju Smith-Schuster, not so much. I'm going to give him a C here because he will see Chris Harris, who is still the best slot corner in the NFL. Juju runs 70% of his routes from the slot, so he has the toughest matchup. I'm just giving him a C here. Uh Harris has allowed just 34 catches for 360 yards on 56 targets all season. So uh, not a good matchup for Juju. No. Better matchup for Vance McDonald, though. Uh, giving him a B. Opposing tight ends are averaging 
60-plus yards per game against Denver, uh, and the Broncos have also allowed a tight end touchdown in each of their last three games. So Mike and Vance here, he gets a B. And uh, only giving James Conner a B. Denver has actually uh, kind of gotten tough against running backs recently, allowing just under three yards per carry over their last four games. Just one combined total touchdown to running backs during mm. that span, too. Yeah. And uh, Conner has cooled off now that he doesn't have to worry about Le'Veon Bell. That helps. Bell's out of the picture, so Conner's yeah, now he's Yeah, now he's going to tank. Yeah, Watch. He, yep, he's on uh, autopilot. But oh, God. Just over 120 combo yards over the last two games for Conner. So he has cooled down. Not an amazing matchup, so just a B for him here. Uh, over to the Denver side, just a B for Philip Lindsay. Pittsburgh has been very tough against running backs all season. No lone back had topped 85 combo yards against the Steelers until Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey both did it in each of the last two weeks. Lindsay is borderline in that territory, but yeah. he's still startable. I'm just gonna give him a soft B here. Uh, but uh, Devonte Freeman, or, I'm sorry, Royce Freeman, Devonte Booker, easily on the bench. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, borderline bench grade for me in this one, even in a revenge game against his old team, Whoa. the Steelers. But uh, Sanders has been held scoreless in three straight, hasn't topped 60 yards in that span, and he gets Mike Hilton, who's another great slot cornerback. Yeah. Maybe 1B to Chris Harris when it right. comes to slot corners. Uh, he's allowed just 12 yards per twelve yards per game in his coverage over the last six games. And That's Wilson, nothing. Jeez. Nothing. And hasn't allowed a touchdown all season. So I do not like Sanders. I will give him a C, though. He's a tough guy to sit as a primary receiver. Uh, in a game where Denver probably chasing points. But uh, Cortland Sutton on the bench has yet to top three catches in a single game all year. And he faces a resurgent Joe, dare we call him Iron Hayden again? <laughs> He's been very good this year, Joe Hayden. Absolutely. So uh, Sutton on the bench, love him long-term, dynasty keeper leagues, but he's on the bench this week. Jeff Hoyerman. Our boy, Jeff it's Hoyerman. Hoyerman. I like, is it Hoyerman? It's Hoyerman. Hoyer. I like Hoyerman. Well, Hoyerman. it looks like it ought to be Hoyerman. There's no I in it, but it's Hoyerman. Tricky, tricky Hoyerman. Anyway, Pittsburgh ranked 27th against tight ends by football outsiders, allowing more than 65 yards per game to the position. Sadly, Hoyerman's birthday is not on Sunday, but guess when it is? Uh, Monday? This very moment. It's today. Shall we sing? I'm celebrating. Shall we sing to Hireman? Happy birthday to, to you. Case Keenum. Jeff Hireman. On the bench, though, sadly. I mean, when you only really like Hireman as a pass catcher for a, <laughs> a football team, you're not going to start the quarterback, and that would be Case Keenum on no. the bench. On the bench. Church, you got some pipes over there. I, well, I don't show them off often, Yeah, but I can do it if I All need right. to. Yeah, it helps if it's morning and everything's sort of gravelly, and yeah, that it works better that way, actually. Let's go to Jacksonville taking on Buffalo, Matt. Uh, the Jaguars' uh, offense better with Leonard Fournette, who's been solid in his two games. This is kind of a sneaky, tough matchup with a, a, a decent Buffalo run defense. What do you make of Leonard Fournette today? We're going to try to get out of this matchup as quick as we got into it. Okay. Leonard Fournette gets an A grade. He had 30 touches last week against the Steelers. Uh, again, another huge touch total. Yeah, well, he was a 29 the week before, yep. I think. Uh, he, only one running back has had more than 15 touches against the Bills this year. That was Marlon Mack. He ended up with 159 combo yards and two touchdowns, mm. so Fournette's an easy A. Blake Bortles and the rest of the passing game is on the bench. Five out of the last six quarterbacks the Bills have faced have been held to under 200 yards, and six out of the last seven quarterbacks the Bills have faced have been held to one or fewer touchdown passes. That's one or zero. Wow. So D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Chark, and Dante Moncrief, who combined for 45 yards last week, yeah, they're all on the bench, too. On the other side, there's one starter, and it's not a great starter. It's LaShawn McCoy who gets a C. Jacksonville has only allowed four rushing touchdowns on the season to opposing running backs. That's not good. No. 
Buffalo just fed McCoy like a crazy team. They, they just gave him the ball over and over again. 26 carries last week for 113 yards and two scores. The only problem was that was two of Buffalo's three running back touchdowns on the season. Right. So, and it's only, to, literally, it was McCoy's only good game of the year. Yeah. If they're going to stay in this game, they're going to ground and pound and try to play great defense, I think. You don't think, Josh Allen, you don't think Josh Allen changes the complexion of that offense quite a bit? I do. No, not that much. He's slated to start this game, but the Bills are only snuffing 182 passing <laughs> yards per game this year. <laughs> All right. With only five touchdown passes on the season, and most of those were Matt Barkley's. <laughs> That's true. Um, they're on pace to be the worst quarterback group since the 2015 St. Louis Rams, whose quarterbacks were... The Which NFC year? Championship game quarterbacks from last year, Nick Foles and Case Keenum. Wow. They were All the right. worst quarterbacks in recent history. They averaged 181 and had 11 touchdowns on the season for the Rams in 2015. Wow. So Zay Jones is on the bench, too. Some people are chasing his 11 targets, his 8 catches, his 93 yards and a score last week. But he gets Jalen Ramsey this week, so I'm not going to Zay. Zay? I'm not going to Zay. You don't Zay, I don't Zay, nobody Zays. I can I Zig and you could Zay? Never mind. No. All right. Uh, let me mention this about the Bills' run defense and Leonard Fournette. You mentioned Marlon Mack's great game. He had 19 carries, 126 yards, and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Chipped in another touchdown through the air. Yes. He's the only back who has topped 77 yards against the, the Buffalo run defense all year. Well, and as I said, he's the only back who's had more than 15 carries in a game. They just, that is true. They haven't faced a... Bell cow back like Fournette. Well, they kind of have, you know, Melvin Gordon, 28 rushing yards as one example. Um, they were way up in that game, though. They didn't need well, it. Well, that is true. They were way up in that game and they didn't need it. So, you know, we'll see. I, you know, I just, I think there's, I think it's a little bit trickier for, um, I think it's a little trickier for Leonard Fournette than you do, but that's all right. Okay. Well, uh, we'll see how it plays out. Let's go to uh, the Giants taking on the Eagles. And if there's anything to know here, no, it's the Eagles secondary is an absolute wreck. Jalen Mills has got a foot injury. Sidney Jones safety expected to miss the game. Already backups. Already already backups. Rasul Douglas and Avante Maddox both went down against the Saints last week, and it doesn't look like they're going to go either. We're looking at like fifth and sixth string guys starting throughout the secondary. Not a cornerback has been able to practice. The Eagles this week. <laughs> oh, it's, not, it, of all five cornerbacks, yeah, not one practice. It is an utter disaster there. <laughs> Wasn't one of those guys the bad guy in Batman Begins, too? <laughs> Rasul Douglas. Yeah, yes. I'm pretty sure. Exactly. So, if there's ever a time to start your Giants in the passing game, this certainly feels like it. We've got an obvious A grade on Odell Beckham that I don't even need to expand on beyond that, but let's talk about Eli Manning. There are some mixed trends here. Um, with all of the injuries, the Eagles have allowed at least 270 passing yards in every game since week four. But we've already seen Eli Manning go belly up in these great opportunities in the past against other bad defenses. Atlanta, Washington, San Francisco, and Tampa. He only managed 283 yards per game and 1.8 touchdowns. So I've, I had Eli as an A until I dug into the stats a little farther. Now I've got him as a B right now. But the, he has he's potentially got, colossal upside in this game. He's just a two eighty three and two kind of guy in his best games. Now. He, he kind just, of that is sort of his upside, yeah. isn't it? You know, where you look at that secondary and you think that could be a four hundred yard passing game, but Eli doesn't give us those anymore. Sterling Shepard could be going up against slot cornerback 
Cravon LeBlanc. He's, <laughs> he's back. That's right. Claimed off waivers a couple weeks ago. Uh, in fact, he's been on the team, I think, 11 days. Do they call him the the, the, the LeBlancet? <laughs> LeBlancet. LeBlancet coverage. LeBlancet coverage. <laughs> Does he whitewash the opponent? I like it. Uh, Cravon LeBlanc against Sterling Shepard feels very, very good. Um, I I would have made Sterling Shepard an A grade, but he's done nothing for the better part of a month either. So he was a Blanc gotta... last weekend. <laughs> he was a Blanc in the box score. Yes. Uh, nobody else is laughing, but we're cracking ourselves up. If nothing else, uh, Evan Ingram just a C grade. Eagles have been great against tight ends all year, allowing only three and a half receptions and thirty five yards per game. Ingram was forced to miss the first game between these two earlier this season. But last year, he did average uh, 10 targets for 66 yards in the two games against the Eagles. I've got a C grade on him, but you you could probably... I'd put him on the bench. Done, he hasn't done anything of note, Rhett really. Ellison out-snapped him last week. Yeah, that's a bad... Well, but they have two different roles. You know, Ingram's your pass catcher. <laughs> Rhett's your, your blocker. Yeah, obviously, they don't need a pass-catching tight end anymore. Well, they need blockers worse because <laughs> the offensive line's so bad. And then, obviously, Saquon Barkley's an A start. Uh, although, I'll note... You're, you're, Saquon's got the hardest matchup on the field. The Eagles are only giving up 16 rushes per game to opposing backs, uh, but Saquon did just fine on 13 attempts when they met in Week 5, and he put up 229 yards. So an A grade for Saquon, but again, everybody else on the field's got easier matchups than he does, and the game script could go away from him. Let's go to the Eagles side. Carson Wentz gets an A grade for me. I know last week was dismal. It was a terrible game, but... Once had went into that game having thrown multiple touchdowns in six straight before that game. So I'm going to assume that was the anomaly. And among those games was a three-touchdown effort against these same Giants in Week 6. I would take another three touchdowns. The Giants' secondary has improved slightly since shedding Eli Apple, which was addition by subtraction. And they picked off Tampa, quarterback four time, uh, Tampa quarterbacks four times last week. Still, this is a very beatable secondary, and I've got an A grade on Carson Wentz. How about Alshon Jeffrey? B grade here as he as he lines up against a Giants defense that he tore apart in Week Six, catching eight passes for seventy four yards and two touchdowns. Now they're without Eli Apple, who is a, who uh, now without uh, without Eli Apple, who allowed one hundred and eleven of those yards in the Eagles game last time. So he probably has a little tougher matchup, and he's been a lot quieter lately. Now the most intriguing matchup of this whole game: What do you do about Golden Tate? I'll tell you what you do: start him. <laughs> He got moved to the slot last week, and that promptly led him to lead the team in targets, receptions, and yards. And I know it didn't materialize into a big fantasy game. And Lever's putting him on the bench. Get him off the bench here. He goes up against giant slot corner Grant Haley, who has surrendered a passer rating of 139 in his coverage. Tampa's slot receiver last week, Adam Humphreys, against Grant Haley, uh, caught three passes, 60 yards, and a score on him. So I like Golden Tate in this matchup. Zach Ertz, obvious A. We're not going to even extrap, uh, explain, ex- well, not extrapolate, won't uh, expound on his game. Josh Adams, last guy we'll mention, the running game, the only running back you'd want to start. And I've got a starting grade on him with a C grade. The Giants have given up 100 or more rushing yards and a touchdown to the opponent's leading running back in each of the last three weeks. And those guys, to get the 100 yards, and or a touchdown, Adrian Peterson, Matt Breida, and Peyton Barber. That is not exactly like Gurley, Zeke, and Saquon. That was Adrian, Matt Breida, and Peyton Barber. If those guys are getting it done, I like Adams here. Here's the catch, though. Adams hasn't top nine carries in a game yet. 
Now, you can only do so much on nine carries. So the hope is that Adams gets more work, and if he does, I like the opportunity for a decent game here. Um, if you are of the opinion that Josh Adams is going to vault up to 18 carries out of nowhere, great. Give him a B grade. Give him an A grade. But what we've seen have been seven, seven, and nine carries in the last three weeks for Josh Adams. That keeps him at a C grade. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, take a chance on me. Nine players, not normally in your starting lineup, many of whom are available on the waiver wire. We'll tell you, tricky, tricky week for Rams and Chiefs owners, by the way. Plenty of waiver wire needs out there. We'll tell you who to pick up when we come back. This is Fantasy Football Weekly, presented by Green Belt Premium on the fan. Yo. If you change your mind, I'm the first in line. Honey, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. If you need me, let me know, gonna be around. If you got no place to go when you're feeling down. If you're all alone. It's Take a Chance on Me. Nine players that you would not normally start. Let's find out who they are. Beginning at the quarterback position and Brian Johnson. Let's go with San Fran's Nick Mullins at the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tampa has been shredded by every quarterback not named Alex Smith or Nick Foles this season. Mullins probably deserves to be mentioned along the lines of Alex Smith and Nick Foles, but coming off his bye week, I like him in this matchup. Mm. Uh, Tampa Bay will be without Levante David, their all-world middle linebacker. Could also still be without JPP and Vinnie Curry from their D-line. Uh, just a bad defense, so let Mullins eat. All right, Matt. This song's making me sleepy. I know. I didn't get much sleep last night because I was up all night thinking about Baker Mayfield and mm. this awesome matchup that he's got. I bet. He's thrown for multiple passing touchdowns in four straight games, and he's facing quite possibly the worst pass defense in the league. That's the Bengals. They're allowing 306 passing yards per game and 2.1 touchdowns per game through the air. They're also allowing a league-high 6.6 QB rushing attempts, skewed a little bit by Lamar Jackson last week. Yeah, just a bit. It's 27 carries. That's true. Uh, they've, they've allowed 30 quarterback rushing yards per game and three quarterback rushing scores this season, and Baker can run a little. He had six carries himself last week for 20 yards on the ground against Atlanta, so he might chip in a little extra there, too. Uh, I'm going Jameis Winston against San Francisco. Let's... Hope he can just make it through the game without getting benched. So let's start there. And he is averaging 3.2 interceptions per game. Think about that. He's on pace for a 50 interception season if you were to prorate his his season over 16 games. It's pretty solid. That's pretty bad. Nevertheless, here comes San Francisco. They're pretty bad, too. Uh, Winston has plenty of upside. San Francisco's allowed touchdowns to every quarterback except Derek Carr. Multiple touchdowns in six of the past seven games. Jameis Winston. Simultaneously, your take a chance on me defense is San Francisco. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Hedge your bets. (laughs) You could do both. Uh, Brian, running back. Uh, Let's go uh, the Jets' Elijah Maguire uh, at home versus New England. Let's just start this off by saying Isaiah Crowell is god-awful at football. Since his uh, 219-yard explosive output in Week 5, Crowell has totaled 162 yards on 57 carries in the five games since. That's under three yards per carry. That's awful. Who's your starting running back for the Jets uh, Week 1? Next year. Not is him. It, is it Crowell, Maguire, or not on roster currently? Le'Veon Bell. 
Could be. Mm, could be. It's certainly not Crowell, and it's no. probably not going to be Crowell on Sunday. It should be Elijah McGuire, who has nine touches in each of his first two games back. I like he'll have more carries in this game, but he did see a healthy number of targets in his first two games, five and six, which bodes well because opposing running backs are averaging six catches on eight targets against the Patriots. So uh, and then the game script will favor passing to running backs out of the backfield, so Elijah McGuire. Not that he's a great pass catcher, but he can catch. All right. Let's go to Matt, running back. It's come to this that Derrick Henry is now a take a chance on me running back. He's only 64% owned. He's not the feature back, and the Titans have been a terrible team on the road this season. But four of his six rushing attempt totals of 10 or more came on the road when Mm. they were trying to play ball control. Yeah, He's also scored in two of his last three road games. The Titans need to control the clock when outside of Nashville. They're in Houston, and the Texans have given up four rushing touchdowns in just the last three weeks to the Miami, Denver, and Washington backfields. I'm not asking for a ton here. I'm just asking for a touchdown, not a Derrick Henry. Gus Edwards, I'm fully on board. (laughs) Uh, He made the most of his opportunities last week, averaging almost seven yards per carry, scored a touchdown, and relegated Alex Collins to the bench for the entire second half. And what a delicious matchup for Gus Edwards against the Raiders. Arguably the worst run defense in the league. Raiders rank last or second to last in rushing attempts, rushing yards, and rushing yards per carry. Gus Edwards. Let's go to the receiver position and Brian Johnson. Ravens fans are calling him Gus the Bus to troll Steelers fans, by oh, the way. Oh, I like it. Jerome Bettis. The bus, yeah. Uh, I got Adam Humphreys. Uh, we just talked about him a little bit before. Uh, he's at home against the Niners. Uh, with Jameis Winston under center, Humphreys' target share is up to 20%. That's twice as high as it is when Ryan Fitzpatrick is quarterback. Yeah. And things go the opposite way for Deshaun Jackson. When Winston is under center, he basically sees no targets. He's got a thumb <laughs> right. injury anyway. So uh, Humphreys will see more looks than Jackson in this one. And the 49ers have, getting, uh, have given up either 100 yards and or a touchdown uh, to primary slot receivers in eight of San Francisco's ten games, so I'm liking Adam Humphreys. All right, I hope you're right. I got to start him in one league where I, I got I had a league filled with Chiefs, a team filled with Chiefs. Do you remember a quarterback receiver split situation like the Tampa situation, where it's been Fitzpatrick has his guys that he goes to in. Howard and Jackson and Evans for touchdowns and Winston goes to Brait and Humphreys. It's it's bizarre. I, you know, I don't, but you know, it's probably happened, but I don't recall one because so few teams end up swapping quarterbacks in and out like this. But I not that I remember. It's just, yeah. just bizarre. Anyway, my guy's Dontrell Inman. Uh he's like emerged as the wide receiver too in Indianapolis, Charge's favorite team next to the Vikings. Yes. Uh he's had seventeen targets over the last three games, trailing only T. Y. Hilton on the team during that span. He also ran more routes than any other Colt wide receivers outside of Hilton last week and scored his first touchdown of the year. Hilton will draw Xavier Howard this week, leaving Inman free to roam against the rest of that secondary that's not very good in Miami. So Correct. I like Inman there. All right, good. My uh, my guy in our final take a chance on me is Willie Sneed. I already liked one Raider. Sorry, excuse me. I already liked one Raven in the Raiders game. That was Gus Edwards. Now we're going with the receiver as well, Willie Sneed. It's only a one-game sample size, but Willie Sneed got 42% of the targets from Lamar Jackson. That's awfully good sign. We'll see if it carries through to week two. And if it does, what a nice matchup that he's got. Oakland secondary is allowed six Wide receiver touchdowns in the last three games alone. And running out of the slot, he'll face Raiders cornerback Nick Nelson, who allowed two scores in his coverage just last week alone. So, Willie Sneed with a terrific opportunity. All right. 
There you go. Take a chance on me. In the books. Hopefully that helps. New England taking on the New York Jets. Brian. It's kind of start everybody for the Patriots and start nobody except Elijah McGuire for the Jets, how it feels. Pretty much, but uh, I don't know. Gronk? Yeah, there's a little trepidation in starting Gronk. I'm no, giving him a B. Any, not anymore. you got to well, go, right? You got, well, He's got to be healthy now, bye week. You would think. And He's ho- playing. Hopefully he can make his return against his good buddy, the, uh, the Jets. Over his last eight games, he's averaging seven catches for 85 yards and one whole touchdown oh, against God. New York. Oh, to his, his owners need that badly. Yes, they do. Oh. And, and on paper, it doesn't look too good uh, for tight ends. Jets are allowing just over two and a half catches per game to opposing tight ends, but... By far the best tight end they faced is Eric Ebron this season, and he caught four passes for 71 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. That's probably a safe floor for Gronk if he is anywhere near old Gronk status. Yeah. But uh, obviously keep your ear to the ground on him. But uh, over to the other uh, receivers, Edelman and uh, Josh Gordon, you give them an A. Edelman hasn't scored against the Jets since 2012, which is kind of shocking, but uh, I bet he ends that drought this week. Opposing wide receivers like uh, Zay Jones, Robert Foster, Aldrick Robinson, Marcus Johnson, Chester Rogers, Albert Wilson, all have had big days against New York. I like Edelman and Gordon's chances. Well, there, so. Yeah, and Edelman gets Buster Screen. The busted screen, that's yeah, right. Yeah, we uh, love that matchup. So uh, A's for them, A for Tom Brady. New York has allowed multiple touchdowns in six of the past seven games, and that includes guys like Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, and Matt Barkley. Uh, some people may say, you know, New York will struggle to keep pace with New England. Doesn't matter. Belichick will run up the score on the Jets all day long. Mm. One of his favorite pastimes. So uh, <laughs> that, that about is true. Brady. Uh, I am a little worried about James White, though. I'm just gonna give him a C. Uh, he actually has positive splits with Gronk in the lineup, puts mm-hmm. a bit more points. But um, and even though opposing running backs are averaging nearly 14 yards per catch against the Jets over the last four weeks, the highest clip in the league. Check out these uh, catch totals for opposing backfield, starting with the most recent Buffalo one catch. Miami backs at seven, but then Chicago backs, one catch. Minnesota backs, two catches. Wow. Colts backs, four catches. So, okay, and, and those are like, some teams that can catch, too. Absolutely. Some so, runners can catch. This seems more like a Sony Michelle game to me. So he gets the B while White gets the C. Mm-hmm. Sony had 11 carries in Week 10 against a tough Titans run defense. Coming off a bye, he should easily see 15-plus carries in this game. New York is one of five teams allowing more than 28 rush attempts per game. Over their last three games, opposing teams are running the ball more than 35 times per game against wow. the Jets. So, Sony Michelle, B, borderline A here in a smash spot. I uh, love him, especially in daily when his, his price is a little suppressed still. And then over to the Jets, Crowell sucks, bench, Elijah McGuire, take on <laughs> Quincy Anunwa, the one wide receiver you might contemplate starting if you really wanted to. Opposing yeah. wideouts are averaging 20 targets, 13 catches, and 160 yards per game as a whole against New England. Anunwat probably soaks up mo- most of those stats, but he's just a dart throw, still on the bench for me. Chris Herndon, I'll give him a C just because most tight ends are worthless. And uh, opposing tight ends are averaging five catches for 62 yards against the Pats. Oh, they'd take that out of Herndon in a uh, second. Any day. Would. Yeah, so he's a he's a C-level grade. And then uh, Sam Darnold has been ruled out, so Josh McCown is the starter. Probably the better fantasy option, but that just means McCown's a D, while Darnold would have been an F. He's on the bench. The Jets haven't topped 10 points since week seven. Are you serious? Gross. Oh, geez, I didn't realize it was that bad. It's that bad. That is terrible. Uh, when we come back, speaking of terrible, we'll spend five seconds on the Miami offense, but we'll break down the Indianapolis Colts and Andrew Luck. Will Matt tell you to bench every Colt? Find out when we come back. This is Fantasy Football Weekly, presented by Green Belt Premium on the fan. Football Weekly on the fan. 
Our Christchurch Challenge winner from last week is Mike Franson. Mike Franson will be joining me, and maybe you, at Manny Steakhouse for the Winner's Banquet in January. You can play along by going to GrainBelt.com, play the Crush Charge Challenge, put up a roster against my roster for this week. I didn't have any Thursday players, so I didn't. I don't ever use Thursday players, so I don't have Amari Cooper in. I don't have Dak Prescott. You don't. You know. You don't. Not already at a big deficit to my squad. So you don't have the, Sam Arnold in there. Yeah, I don't have Sam Arnold in there. No, I don't. No Sam Arnold appearances whatsoever. Uh, so put together your roster for this weekend's play and your chance at the $2,000 grand prize. As always, many thanks to our friends uh, at the brewery and Dave Wilson at Manny's for all their support for this free-to-play game. Again, grainbelt.com. Uh, also of note, I love it when we've got callers from various destinations. We've got an Ontario, a Milwaukee, a Los Angeles on hold. Continue to hold. We'll try to work in uh, some calls at the end of the segment. If we can be pretty brief with our matchups, including Miami taking on Indianapolis there's nothing to talk about with the Miami side of this, is there? Uh, Frank Gore in a revenge game All right, against the Colts. Maybe. I gave him a C grade because he's had double-digit carries in seven straight games. In that seven-game span, Kenyon Drake has only hit the nine-carry mark twice. So Kenyon Drake's definitely on the bench. Gore doesn't have a rushing touchdown on the season, though. And Which is ridiculous. Yeah, have only... Uh, Opposing backfields have only topped 100 yards against the Colts twice this season, and they're all, they've only allowed four rushing touchdowns in 10 games. So mm. Gore's like the, a D grade, basically. It's just the revenge angle, I think. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's back starting. Uh, he was limited in practice all week, but he was named the Week 12 starter. In his two games prior to the injury, he threw for 100 yards and zero touchdowns and 185 and one. And the Colts are only allowing an average of 235 yards per game over the last five weeks. So Tannehill... And the receivers are all on the bench. Let's go over to the Colts side. Marlon Mack, I gave him a bench grade last week, and he kind of shut me up by scoring a touchdown against Tennessee. Uh, after two straight weeks of over 120 yards, Mack has only averaged 45 rushing yards in his two most recent games. This week he will get it going against a Dolphins team that is allowing 151 rushing yards per game over mm-hmm. the last month of play. I love Mack, and I've got him... Oh, I don't know if I can say. I'm... <clears throat> You, you, you may say. see you may see him in my charge my chase charge lineup at Ooh, Fanball. Let's just put it that way. Well, they should take you on by going to fanball.com slash charge. charge. You can do that. You can play for free. Uh, I already talked about Dontrell Inman. He was my take a chance on me receiver. T. Y. Hilton. I'm giving a B grade to, even though he's going up against the Zave Cave. He's getting uh, progressively healthier over the last month. He went from four to five to seven to nine targets over his last four games, mm-hmm. which converted into 25, 34, 77, and 155 yards. And Xavier Howard hasn't been the same uh, cornerback of late either. He's been getting beaten the last few weeks. Yeah, I like I like Hilton here in this spot. Uh, what, what was the grade you gave uh, both Hilton and Mac? I missed Mac. Uh, Mac, I gave a B. Hilton, I gave a B. Thank you. All right. Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron only given C's to... Did you know that Eric Ebron has scored nine times this season? Why, as a matter of fact... Nine times. Nine times. Yeah. But mysteriously, Eric Ebron wasn't targeted at all last week against Tennessee. That was weird. It was the first game in which Jack Doyle was active, in which Ebron didn't score a touchdown. Hmm. Doyle only had four targets in that affair, too. So the bright side is is that the Dolphins have given up multiple touchdown passes to tight ends twice in their last five games. So there's room for both Doyle and Ebron to play in many fantasy lineups. Andrew Luck, I'm just giving a C grade, too. No, that's not true. It's not true. I'm giving him an A grade. Thank you. All right, you've come around on Andrew Luck. 
It's only taken 11 weeks of incredibly elite production. Ah, he's thrown for at least three touchdowns in each of the last seven games. Oh, that's it. And the Dolphins... Third longest such streak in the history of the NFL. Yeah, the Dolphins have allowed multiple passing scores in four of their last five. And to be fair, Charge, I gave Luck a B grade last week. Now, it that was an like obvious I, A. I didn't have him as a take-a-chance-on-me guy, and I did not say to drop Andrew Luck outright in a five-tough <laughs> question earlier in the season. That is true. So but some of us came around. So there's so, some... It it took me two weeks to come around. I, I've just it took I've, you I've, no, eleven I've been, weeks. I've been there the whole time. God, you just been you had there. a bench grade on him two I'm, weeks ago. I'm a, I, I did not. You did. I am holding these two apart right now. They're about to go toe to toe. Meow. Are you done? Yeah. Thank you. Let's go to uh, Oakland, Baltimore. And there's only one starter on Oakland, and that's Jared Cook, and he only has a C grade. He has scored four times, but he's also failed to top 31 yards in five of the last eight games. So you're really you're hoping for a touchdown here. Baltimore has allowed a tight end to score in three of the past four. So we're 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 hoping for the touchdown. That's it. They've also given up at least 50 yards to their opponent's tight end group in five of the last six. So Jared Cook's the one guy I feel good about. Everybody else is on the bench. Running game, Doug Martin is hurt. DeAndre Washington sucks. Jalen Richard hasn't scored this season. There's no reason to play any of those guys, especially against an elite-level Ravens defense, allowing three and a half yards per carry, and even less than that over the last month of play. And they're excellent through the air, too, allowing the fewest receiving yards to runners. So those of you that have been streaming Jalen Richard and just, you know, hoping to get your five catches for 40 yards and be done, you might not even get that. For the passing game, Derek Carr has been shut out in two of his past three games, and over the last five games, he's averaging just 198 yards. Jordy is hurt. Martavis Bryant is hurt. Brandon LaFell just won an IR. It's a disaster. Let's go to the Baltimore side, which is a lot more fun. I love Lamar Jackson in this game. On, on the season, Oakland has allowed the second most passing touchdowns, including multiple touchdowns in every game since week two. Three touchdowns in four of the past five games. So if you looked at last week and you went, well, you know, Lamar Jackson, sure, sure, he was my fifth, you know, number five quarterback last week, but where were the touchdowns? Well, here come the touchdowns on top of everything he did last week. This is an awesome matchup for him. He has literally highest scoring quarterback potential in this game. Jackson only threw 19 passes last week. But I think he completed like 15 of the 19, something like that, which was good. And last week, Josh Rosen only threw 20 against the Raiders, still scored three times. So you don't even need, I don't know, I don't need suddenly for Lamar Jackson to throw his arm out of socket to get touchdowns. Josh Rosen just did it on th- on 20 touches, 20 uh, passes, scoring three times. So love Lamar Jackson. A grade. He's my number four ranked quarterback for this week. Gus Edwards was my take-a-chance-on-me running back. Willie Sneed was my take-a-chance-on-me wide receiver. John Brown, also startable with a B grade. He's done nothing for three straight weeks. I get that. But this matchup has got Slump Buster written all over it as he faces a Raiders secondary that's allowed six receiver scores in the last three games and on the season has allowed the fourth-most scores to the position. John Brown should be started here. Uh, I've got Alex Collins on the bench. He's likely the backup, and he also has a foot injury he's got to try to play through. So... Combining that, I don't know that he gets enough carries. Um, there could be the two running backs get fed. It could be that both Alex uh, uh, Gus Edwards and Alex Collins do a little something here, but I'd prefer to keep him on the bench. And Michael Crabtree has been a disaster and got no attention from Jackson last week, so we're going to leave him on the bench as well. Final matchup of this segment is San Francisco taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My favorite 49er, Brian, 
I think Matt Breida's sitting on a big game potentially here. Oh, I thought you were going to say George Kittle, who's like, this well, is my favorite yeah. thing in the world. Well, but uh, no, we, can, we can start with Breida. Uh, joked before, probably the healthiest he's been since birth. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it could be. Clearly, they, coming off a of bye week, he's in a health wise, he's as close to 100% as he, as he can be. Right. Uh, the Bucks have allowed a league high 17 touchdowns to running backs. I said no Levante David for Tampa Bay, maybe no JPP, Vinnie Curry, Brita, obvious A yeah. in this game. Uh, speaking of obvious A's, George Kittle, who leads all tight ends and wide receivers in yards after the catch this year. Are you serious? And if you take wow. just the yards after the catch, yeah. he's would tight be end. fifth among tight, tight ends, ends. <laughs> receiving wow. yards. That's a stat from uh, Rich Rebar, which uh, I definitely enjoyed. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay allowing 70-plus yards per game to opposing tight ends. And another great Kittle stat from Graham Barfield. Uh, San Fran uses Kittle as a traditional receiver on nearly 40% of his routes, meaning he's lined up on the outside or the slot. Uh, Tampa Bay has been terrorized for 130 yards per game by enemy slot receivers, and wow. that's pretty much going to be Kittle. Yeah. If you haven't watched Kittle play, make a point, dude. This is good fun. Uh, over to the wide receivers, though. Don't love them as much, even though you look at Tampa Bay and you're like, oh, what a great matchup for wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Over the last three weeks, only 107 yards per game to wide receivers as a whole. Tampa it's Bay is allowing. And uh, Goodwin, only nine targets from Nick Mullins in his two starts. Uh, that said, Tampa Bay has surrendered at least one wide receiver score in every game this year, and opposing primary receivers have scored in four of their last five. Wow. So I'll give Goodwin a C, but uh, there is that feels like a, a B to me. It does, but there's I don't know. I, he and Mullins really don't have any chemistry yet. That's my only uh, concern here. So I'm still going to go with the C, but he does have B potential in this matchup. Pierre Garcon is out. That makes oh, Dante oh. Pettis a viable dart throw. Almost mm-hmm. use him as my take a chance on me receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like him on Fanball. Very cheap. Check him out. We might talk about him a little later in the show. Nick Mullins might take a chance on me quarterback in this matchup, as uh, we talked about earlier. Uh, over to the Tampa Bay side, I'm going to give Mike Evans an A. This year with Winston as quarterback, Evans has averaged more catches and yards than with uh, Stubeard under center. And San Fran has conceded big games to primary receivers recently. Odell Beckham, Larry Fitzgerald, Brandon Cooks, Devontae Adams all have had big games against San Francisco. I got Deshaun Jackson on the bench. He does not fare so well with Winston as quarterback. Mm -hmm. Adam Humphreys does. That's why he is my take a chance on me wide receiver. And Cameron Brait. If you're an O.J. Howard owner... We're going to talk about Cameron Brait yeah. in if, moments. If you don't know that he's on IR, I'm sorry to ruin your Saturday, but he is. Cameron Brait is the guy, and uh, opposing tight ends are averaging a modest four catches for 48 yards against the 49ers, and the Niners haven't surrendered a score to the position in six straight, but Brait is still a B as the only tight end in that lineup now. And then in Jameis Winston was your take-a-chance-on-me quarterback charge, and Peyton Barber, I'm going to just give him a C here. Shockingly, only one running back has topped 100 yards against San Francisco, and they haven't allowed a running back to score since Week 7. Yeah, but that is surprising. Jerry McCoy is one of the biggest impact defensive tackles in the NFL. In games he misses, and he misses a couple every year, teams just run right through the Bucks. And then he comes back. Well, no, Barber's on the Bucks, so, so Oh, no, sorry, you're right. I had, it flipped, I had that flipped over in my head. But, sorry, uh, yeah, no, he practices okay. against him. But, yeah, that's right. That's why. <laughs> yeah. But Barber, Never mind. home team favorite, you're starting Peyton mm-hmm. Barber, but I'm being uh, cautious with a C here on him. All right. When we come back, oh, wait. Well, I promise to try to work in a couple of calls. And if people are nice enough to call from the likes of Ontario, where Jordan is, we should talk to them. Hi, Jordan. Um, hi, Charge. It's it's Jordan, and uh, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, Chris Carson or Sterling Shepard? I love Sterling Shepard this week in what might be the easiest matchup of his entire season, and Chris Carson's sharing work with three two other backs. So 
Sterling Shepard, probably with my highest ranking that he's had all season. I believe I have him at, at wide receiver 12 this week overall. Especially if it's PPR, even more so, Shepard. Yeah. Thank you for chiming in, Jordan. Appreciate it. You're welcome. How old are you? 14. Awesome. Jordan, keep playing. You'll love it. That's about the age uh, I started. A, well, I started a little later than that, but not a lot later. That's perfect. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah. Charles in Los Angeles. Hello. Hello. Hi. Good morning to all of you. How did you find us? Oh, I've been listening for a couple of years, I think, through Sigmund Bloom and the football guys. Outstanding. Yeah, we love Sig. What can we do for you, Charles? I've got a flex question in a half-point PPR league, and I'm starting either Kenyon Drake, Derek Henry, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, or Corey Davis. Well, I happen to have uh, a few of these guys in my matchups, and the only one of those guys that I gave a starting grade to is Derek Henry. Uh, I'm not feeling great about Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And, no, and especially if Cobb comes back and plays, which he might. Yeah, and, and Corey Davis is just in a tough spot, too. So it, it's kind of gross, but it's yeah. Derek Henry and hoping for a touchdown. There might be something better on your waiver wire that you can grab a Dontrell Inman type Something yeah. like that. I like almost all of our take-a-chance-on-me receivers better than the guys you're talking about. Yeah. And runners, for that matter. Okay, great. And can I have one more quick one? Well, because it's not lightning round, yes. Um, for quarterback, I'm either starting Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Brian, got, it, you're a magnet It's either this. Watson or Jackson or Watson, Jackson, or Wilson. I've gotten this quote. <sighs> Like 14 times. You know where I'm going to come in on this. I think I made my opinion on Lamar Jackson perfectly clear. And, uh, yeah, that four is high. I'll put it this way. I feel like Wilson has the safer floor still. Uh, Jackson has the higher ceiling. If you feel like you're an underdog, shoot the moon with Jackson. But if you're... Depends on what the score from your Thursday games are, really. It really does. Um, Yeah, Jackson's got the higher ceiling. But uh, it's it's virtually a coin flip. But uh, I'll concede to Charge's number four ranking of Lamar Jackson. Okay. Well, I'm Which has to be higher than Russell Wilson, I would imagine, right? It Charles? is. Yes. Got it. I'm, I'm playing for the point total lead. Okay. I've got yeah. a 200-point lead on the next oh, guy. Jeez. You don't even need our help. Uh, Charles, go have fun with Lamar Jackson, because even if he flops against the Raiders, um, you know, you're still fine. And he does have the crazy upside that will make you jump out of your couch. If he has a great game on Sat on Sunday, which we love, go have fun with him. Yeah, take him out to the Santa Monica Pier. Yeah, you know. right. Go hit, uh, skip some rocks. Yeah, isn't that sound skateboarding? Nice? I don't think you actually want to go in the water. Okay, I don't think I don't think that's safe. Uh, when we come back, three hot questions for our panel of experts. You can play along. See if you can go three and zero. This is Fantasy Football Weekly, presented by Devonis on the Fan. <laughs> the show fantasy football weekly on the fan hour number two we encourage you to uh, try the brand new auction games at fanball super fun super fast multiplayer hyper competitive we uh, dole out 36 players in an auction format in under 10 minutes it's fast it's frantic everything that salary cap games aren't this is if you've uh, ever tried an online auction this is even a whole level of bonkers beyond that Play for free or play for cash, fanball.com slash bid. 
We encourage you to check that out. It is time for... Devani's hot question number one. For the rest of the year, is Josh Reynolds a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, flex, or bench? Brian? Well, uh, Reynolds essentially filling in for Cooper Cup, who has been put on IR. And when Cup was healthy this year, earlier in the season, he was a borderline wide receiver one. Which means Reynolds is probably easily a borderline wide receiver two. Um, I'm not even going to look at the rest of se- the rest of season schedule because the Chiefs are that, or I'm sorry, the Rams are that good, and their pass defense is not that great. So opposing teams can put up points. There are a lot of mouths to feed in LA, but I am still going to say wide receiver two because if for whatever reason the Rams need to rest players down the stretch, I feel like Reynolds will not be one of those players as he continues to build chemistry with Goff. So I'll go wide receiver two. Okay, Matt. Uh, I got him at a flex because he's not Cooper Cup, and I don't think we should pretend that he's just like some sort of replacement for him. He does have three touchdowns in the three games that Cup did not play. One of those games, he only had one catch for 19 yards. The next, he had three catches for 42 yards and two, and they were two short touchdowns. And the last was an impressive six for 80 and one and the mother of all shootouts against Kansas City. He's not going to be playing Kansas City like defenses the rest of the way. Yeah, This week, he gets a zero for his bye week. Then he's got Detroit, which is a positive matchup. Chicago is a neutral matchup. Philly's positive matchup. And then Arizona in your Week 16 championship week, that's a negative matchup for him. So uh, I just had him as a flex. All right. Well, let's uh, first, a couple things to know. He does not play Cooper Cup's role. They've moved Robert Woods in to play the slot, and so he's playing outside. He got 98% of the snaps last week. Josh Reynolds did. 98 So on the field, virtually every play, and last week he got targeted eight times in that new role. That was third most on the team. Finished with 80 yards, second most on the team. When I look through the remaining schedule and I estimate where he's going to grade out, if I had the Rams every week for the rest of the year, Detroit will be a B, Chicago will be a C, Philadelphia might be an A, the way their secondary's going, and then in the fantasy championship, Patrick Peterson's going to be on Brandon Cooks. So he's, I think he's, he's going to be absolutely startable there. He's going to be, be a, get a B grade. It all averages out to a B grade which puts him, Josh Reynolds, at a wide receiver, too, for the rest of the year. Giovanni's hot question number two. For the rest of the year is Gus Edwards, a running back one, running back two, flex, or bench? Matt. I got him as a running back two, and we've only seen one sample, one game sample size out of Gus Edwards, so... I, I, I like what I saw in the first game, but his matchups are amazing, and that's why he's in the uh, in the conversation for an RB2 the rest of the way. Oakland, bottom 10 versus running backs this week. Atlanta, worst versus the running back. Kansas City, second worst. Tampa Bay, fifth worst. Chargers, 11th worst. There's no stoppers in there. So if Gus Edwards can hold on to that role, which I think is there is a little bit of an if there, I think he's an RB2. Okay. I don't have much to add other than a different answer. I just, it's an amazing schedule, like Matt said, but I still have to go flex. I can't call Gus Edwards an RB2 moving forward, even though things are clicking with Lamar Jackson. The more tape that piles up, defenses will be able to key in on that sort of pseudo option that they're running. I just can't say Gus Edwards is an RB2, so I'm just saying flex. That's it. <laughs> can't get yourself can't. to do it. I cannot I, do it. Not on a half of tape. I understand that. Um, I watched all his carries for the year uh, a couple of days ago, and... The kid looks pretty good. I and I go back to Alex Collins averaging just three and a half yards per carry. He's hit four yards per carry. Your general measuring stick on good and bad running backs, right? Four yards per carry. 
He's hit four yards per carry in two games. It's week 12, for Pete's sake. He's hit it for two, hit four yards per carry two times. I think it's going to be awfully easy to phase him out of this. Um, and I think it's awfully easy for Gus Edwards to cement his starter's role because he's got Oakland. Oakland's such a bad, terrible run defense. I think he just cements it right here, and he gets the job the rest of the way. And I think he is a solid RB2, trending towards RB1. But, correct answer, running back two. Devonnie's hot question number three. Now the full-time starter in Tampa, will Cameron Brait finish as a top five tight end or six through ten tight end or lower than tenth? Brian. All right, so since the the start of last season, Brait has played in 18 games with Jameis Winston as quarterback and seven without Jameis. Mm -hmm. In the 18 games with Winston, uh, Brait is averaging three catches per game for nearly 40 yards and half a touchdown per game. Not eye-popping numbers, right? Right. But they are when you consider in the seven games without Winston, Braid is averaging one and a half catches yeah, right. for 13 yards and 0.14 touchdowns. <laughs> Stu Beard hates him. So that, that delta is significant, and it's a nice schedule for Braid moving forward. This week at San Francisco, or San Francisco at home, Carolina at home is a very plus matchup for tight ends. New Orleans, sort of neutral. Then at Baltimore, seems scary, but as you said earlier, Church, they've allowed a tight end touchdown in three of their last four. Yep. And then at Dallas in Week 16 is a very positive matchup. I'm not going into Week 17. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say top five tight end, Cameron Brake. Okay. Wow. Brian kind of mowed my lawn, but I came up with six to ten just because I think that there's five tight ends better than Cameron Brake. So Who I, are they? Uh, let's go Kelsey, Ertz. Okay. Kittle. Kittle. And then probably Ebron, and I like Vance McDonald. What about Gronk? No, I don't. Okay, I don't like Gronk. All right, but Gronk's probably in the conversation with Cameron and Brait in the six to ten area, and so I think Cameron Brait, uh, he's the guy. Six to ten. I think the angle you guys missed out on here, and you, good analysis, is if you add together Howard and Brait's numbers together, and knowing that their only other tight end on roster, a guy named Alan Cross, is a full time blocker. He has one catch. All he does is block. So I think it's fair to roll together Howard and Brait, or most of what they do together. If you roll their numbers together on average this season, they average five receptions, 72 yards, and almost a touchdown per game. So who else is five receptions, 72 yards, and almost a touchdown per game? Well, almost nobody is the answer. You are getting George Kittle's level of receptions and yards, which is crazy high, and Eric Ebron and Travis Kelsey's scores at almost a touchdown. You're getting almost the best of both, of all the best tight ends out there, rolled into one guy in Cameron Braid, assuming they use him like they've used Howard and, and, uh, and Braid in the past. For that reason, he is a top five tight end the rest of the way. Let's move on through our matchups, and we still have uh, several left to get to, including Seattle taking on Carolina. Matt? Yes. This is uh, the Seattle running back situation. Frustrating and inexplicable for many people. Try to make sense of it for us. Well, I think Chris Carson reestablished himself as the top dog in that offense. He had 17 carries for 83 yards and a score last week against Green Bay. That was coming off of the injury. And remember, Rashad Penny had the big game two weeks ago, but that's when Carson was inactive. So Mm -hmm. Penny's a guy who's going to be the change of pace back. He's going to get eight touches per game. Carson's going to be a guy getting... 15 to 20, somewhere in there. And then they're going to mix in Mike Davis as a receiving back sometimes, too. All that equals out Chris Carson getting a C and Penny and Mike Davis on the bench. 
because the Panthers have given up a rushing score in three of their last four games, but have only allowed opposing backfields to top 100 yards once in their last eight. So hmm. Carson's just a C. Uh, Russell Wilson is a B grade in this game. Prior to allowing one score to Matthew Stafford last week, the Panthers had allowed eight straight multi-touchdown games to opposing quarterbacks. And the Panthers have the fifth highest blitz rate in the league. They're going up against the top-rated quarterback in the league against the Blitz. That's really? Russell Wilson. So right. it, it's favoring Wilson a little bit here. He's thrown for two or three scores nine times this season. Nine times. Nine times. But he's only top 300 yards once, so just a B. Well, 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 that here. makes sense, yeah. Um, uh, Tyler Lockett, I'm giving a B. And Doug Baldwin's a C-ish grade if he goes, but it doesn't look probable for him. And I'll mention this. Groin injuries on wide receivers, no bueno. Bad deal. That's a bad combo. When you're a receiver, it's all about cutting. You can't cut on the groin injury. Yeah. So I I think you gotta show a lot of a lot of caution on Doug Baldwin. I think Baldwin's ending up on most people's benches. The problem is is he looked a hundred percent last week against the I I tweeted finally we've got we've got like the healthy Doug Baldwin back because looking at that game he looked fantastic. I forget the actual Definition, but is it nut cutting time on Baldwin's groin injury? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, is it rusty? Yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he's got a rusty groin, then yes. I think that's what we've learned. All right. Uh, so obviously, Baldwin didn't practice all week. They're coming off the long week because they played Thursday last week. This is this isn't looking good. If he doesn't go, Lockett takes over as the primary slot wide receiver, where the Panthers have been torched by the likes of Tyler Boyd. Juju, Adam Humphreys, Sterling Shepard, and Cole Beasley. Even if Lockett stays on the outside, he's still averaging a touchdown in every seven targets. So I like Lockett as a B grade. Uh, on the other side, Cam gets an A. Seahawks have allowed 300 or more passing yards and two touchdowns in three of their last four. Calf, he gets an A. In the last six games, CMC has 31 targets. He's trailing Devin Funches for the team lead by one. Mm. Speaking of Funches, he's listed as doubtful. Yeah, I don't think he's going to go, right? But you, you get Torrey Smith back, right? Excited? Ugh, oh, yeah. Gross. Uh, no, DJ Moore is the only wide receiver you need to consider here. He's just a C. Why is he just a C? If Funches is out and Torrey Smith sucks, they got to pass to somebody, right? They're going to pass to McCaffrey and they're going to pass to Olsen. I gave him a C grade because, uh, I mean... How about he's been good for a month? He's been good. Only Julio Jones averages more yards per touch than Moore's 15.7. Three different wide receivers have topped 80 yards against the Seahawks in the last two weeks, but that was the Rams and the Packers. So I think he's in the 70-ish yard range in this game. Maybe a coin flip at a touchdown. That's just a C grade for me. I don't know. I like like him better than you do. Yeah, you obviously do. Um, Greg Olson, I'm giving a B grade to. He's caught every target thrown his way in home games this year. They happen to be at home. And in the last two weeks, the Seattle defense has given up Every target has been caught by tight ends, 9 of 9, <laughs> against the Rams and Packers. So right. uh, with Funchess out, I think Olsen becomes a focal point, and I like him as a B. I got to believe, a lot of, he's, been, uh, he's been very inconsistent, Olsen has. Yes. This might be a good time to get on board. Is he cheap on fanball, Brian? I bet he is. He's at like fourth or fifth priciest this week. All right, with, so not with, cheap. With no really. Kelsey. Yeah, yeah no. all right. Because he's an actual like real tight end. He is a, <laughs> yeah, an actual real tight end. I'm going to sneak in one more matchup. Uh, Arizona taking on the Chargers. There's only one char- uh, Arizona player with a starting grade, and that's David Johnson, who's been basically back to what we expected once Byron Leftwich took over. And the faces of Chargers defense is just middle of the pack against running backs on the ground and very vulnerable through the air, where they've given up the third most receiving yards and the fourth most receptions per game. David Johnson, A grade, 
everybody else is on the bench. For Josh Rosen, he's improved enough to be startable in easy matchups, but this is not one of them. The Chargers have allowed the fewest passing touchdowns over the last month. He's on the bench. Larry Fitzgerald has a brutal draw against excellent slot cornerback Desmond King, who's allowed just one touchdown in his coverage all season long. So I don't like him either in this game. And the Chargers over the last five games ranked seventh in receiving yards allowed to wide receivers. So Fitzgerald's out. And if I don't like Fitzgerald, I probably don't like Christian Kirk. And he's got an even tougher matchup with Casey Hayward. So Casey Hayward's giving up an average of 21 yards in his coverage. Kirk is dead to us, too. What about Ricky Seals-Jones, you might ask? Well, Chargers are a beatable defense for tight ends. But Ricky Seals-Jones is averaging two and a half receptions per game. You just can't get you just can't get to good fantasy numbers on two and a half targets per game. So that's it. They're all all the rest are out. Let's go to the Chargers side where there's a few guys to talk about more better. Um, Melvin Gordon's an obvious A with the one caveat that he's got a uh, he's he is a true game time decision and he's not 100 percent in what could otherwise be the best matchup of his entire year against arguably the worst run defense in the NFL. So if Gordon does go, absolutely start him. If he doesn't go, Austin Eckler gets a huge upgrade all the way up from the bench level that I've got him at right now, all the way up to probably a top 10 running back. So if watch this one closely. If Eckler's been dropped, and there's a decent chance he has been dropped because he's done nothing for like six weeks, go get him now and watch this thing close. It's There's a real chance. It's a, it's a later afternoon game. There's a real chance that Gordon doesn't go and Eckler gets the start in a awesome matchup. And if you're absolutely desperate, I think his name's Josh Jackson, who would be the backup running back if Gordon was on the bench in what appears to be a, a blowout on the horizon for yeah. he could be viable if you're maybe uber desperate if you have no other op- there are not many in gigantic back leagues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh let's talk about the passing game here. Philip Rivers, it's uh, he is the only quarterback in the NFL with multiple touchdowns in every game. It ends here. I'm calling my shot. This is gonna. This is the lowest ranking I have on Philip Rivers all season long. I've got him at quarterback 14 right now in a B grade. Potentially, it comes to an end if, if the Chargers hybrid safety slot corner guy Buda Baker does play. Now, if he doesn't play, then anything goes, and then I'm I'm gonna move up. I'm gonna move Philip Rivers quite a bit up. But Buda Baker's awesome. And he would take away, largely neutralize Keenan Allen in the slot. And Tyro Williams may not play in this game. And now we're running out of viable targets. And so a lot of it really depends on Buda Baker and if he goes. So if Buda Baker is in, then I'm worried about Phillip Rivers. If Buda Baker's out, then I love Rivers and I'm going to move him up to an A. So, and I don't know yet, and we're not going to know until kickoff. So that's if you really care about Phillip Rivers, then you really care about Buda Baker because that brings us to Keenan Allen who has been good lately, who's scored or eclipsed the 100-yard mark in three straight games. But if Baker's plays, I think it's just a B grade on uh, on Allen. If Baker, is, if, if Baker is out, then Keenan Allen goes right to an A grade as he would face Benet Ben Wickery. You may recall that Christian oh. Peterson once uh, verbed Benet Ben Wickery. Yeah, you don't want to be Ben Wickerized. You never want to be Ben Wickerized. And there is a chance that he that was could Julio. Ben Wickerize himself. It was Julio. Yeah, it's like Julio. the two hundred and no three hundred. Oh, three hundred on <laughs> on Ben Wickery. Thank you. Yeah, that's I'm. If it, I'd like to see Keenan Allen hit the three hundred on Ben Ben, ben Wickery, and he could do it twice. Oh man, wouldn't that be fun? Uh, all right, last guy. I mentioned Tyrell Williams may not play, and even if he does, he's totally touchdown dependent, and he probably draws Patrick Peterson, so he's dead to us too. 
And again, that brings me back to Phillip Rivers. If we don't love Keenan Allen and Tyro Williams is injured and he's got Patrick Peterson anyway, I don't, I don't know where the passes go. So I get a little bit worried. Maybe Mike Williams. But that's, that's it. When we come back, another set of matchups, including Cleveland taking on Cincinnati. Here's two slumping defenses and a lot of opportunities for sleepers. We'll tell you what to do with guys like Nick Chubb when we come back. This is Fantasy Football Weekly, presented by Greenbelt Premium on the fan. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Weekly, week number 12. Paul Charchi and Brian Johnson, Matt Harrison with you. Thank you for joining us again. If you uh, if you listen to the show on the podcast, please take a moment to review and rate the show. Let help others around the country find it. It's it's something of an institution here after 24 years in the locally in the Twin Cities, but the rest of the country doesn't have an opportunity here except through the podcast or streaming online, and that uh, certainly helps. So we we thank people who do that. What are we going to do for the silver anniversary next year? It's a good point. It is silver, right? I believe. So should we mint some silver coins? To commemorate it? I wasn't going that far. No? I I like the idea. (laughs) Do you have a foundry at your house? (laughs) Silver bars of uh, some kind? Uh, Maybe it's just my hair will be yet more silver. Maybe that'll be, maybe that's the angle for our silver. We'll have to, we do need to come up with something. A quarter of a century of the show? Man. That that fantasy football training camp's got to be nuts. I hope so. We got to do something special. Yeah, we really should. it's T-shirt high, cannon or something. High ho silver. Maybe um maybe we need to have horses at Canterbury. We should yeah. get all the white horses. Was silver a white horse? I assume so. I don't know. I never watched the show, but yeah. I assume what, what silver. What was that from? I something think, way it was older co- than something me? cowboy related, like right? The Lone Ranger? Yeah. I think it was or, the Lone uh, Ranger. That's that's before my time, Charge. It's before my time, too. <laughs> I'm older than you guys. Let's go back to the matchups. Uh, Cleveland taking on Cincinnati, Brian. Uh, Nick Chubb has been great, and this is a terrific matchup, and I think he's a pretty easy A. I'm more interested in what you have to say about the passing game, and if there's some angles here, let's, uh, and I'll set it up this way. Uh, AJ Green downgraded to doubtful, so plan to not have him, but also Drake Kirkpatrick, starting cornerback for the Bengals, is not expected to play in this game for an already really, really bad secondary. Something called. Kaivare Russell could be your starting cornerback. Well, I don't know where you want me to start now. You, and I know I went all over the place. Let's start with a little reality football talk, right, real quick. That. Cleveland going into this game has lost twenty-five straight road games. Wow! They lose this game, they will tie the record set by the Detroit Lions mm. from two thousand and seven to twenty ten. Yeah, so they're a little motivated for this. Okay, one. all right, good. But um, and they're but, gonna win. It's Christmas time now, so let's just start with uh, Jolly St. Nick Chubb here. Uh, and here's a stat that illustrates how Chubb rises to the occasion and stands tall against stuffed boxes. Okay. Uh, when facing eight or more defenders in the box, mm-hmm. Chubb is averaging an insane 8.2 yards per carry. Really? He's snuffing yes. that? He is Dang. snuffing that against stuffed boxes. Wow. Very Chubb impressive. Is. That's a stat from Graham Barfield. Very appreciative of that one. And uh, yeah, Chubb an easy A in this matchup. Uh, Duke Johnson... This can give him a C here. Uh, has been pretty hot recently, but um, and even though Football Outsiders has Cincy ranked dead last in defending running backs as receivers, okay, which would suggest this is a good matchup. It would, but only four running backs have caught at least five passes against the Bengals, and only one running back has topped sixty receiving yards, and that's when Kenyon Drake had seven for sixty-nine nice 
yards and a touchdown. Uh, so just a C for Johnson in this one. I like Landry a whole lot more. Jarvis, mm. that is. Going to give him an A here, despite yardage totals of 22, 50, and 39 over his last three games with a zero touchdowns. Pretty gross, but uh, Cincinnati obviously reeling on defense and slot receive, slot receivers have had success against the Bengals as of late. Willie Sneed, Adam Humphreys, Tyree Kill, Juju, Muhammad Sanu, all big games, so Jarvis Landry in line for one as well. David Njoku, going to give him a B despite being questionable. He seems more like probable than yeah. questionable uh, here. Since he allowing roughly 50 yards and half a touchdown to opposing tight ends, but they've really faced a, a stars and scrubs list of tight ends thus far. The, the quote-unquote stars, or yeah. really like the more comparable, note- noteworthy tight ends, right. have done well against Cincy. Abronatron had four for 51 and a touchdown. Jack Doyle, seven for 60. Vance McDonald, seven for 68. Kelsey, five for 95. O.J. Howard scored. So Njoku startable with a B. And Baker Mayfield... <laughs> Is Matt's take a chance on me quarterback? I was going to give him an A. Yeah, right. So exactly. I'll give I'll give him a C, I guess, for that reason. Sorry, sure. I had to throw it under the bus. I think that was an easy one. Very nice play. Our call on Mayfield there. Uh, over Very to, bold. Yeah. Uh, over to the Cincy side, AJ Green, news unlikely to play. Now we don't, no one expected him to play this. Week. No, he's not playing. So he is not playing, which doesn't really bode well for Tyler Boyd. He's done much better with Green for in the sure. lineup. He still has a safe PPR floor as he's posted double digit points in both the games without Green in the lineup. And the Browns are top six in targets, red zone targets, and red zone touches yielded to opposing wide receivers. So Boyd still gets a B here. And with no A.J. Green, that bumps up John Ross into starting territory, I feel like. The soft C Mm. uh, was targeted seven times and caught a touchdown against Baltimore last week. A much tougher matchup than the the Browns. So uh, I'll give Ross a C. But uh, C.J. Uzoma, the UZ, has really fallen off. I'm going to put him on the bench here. Uh, AJ's absence has not done him any favors either, and there are at least 15 other tight ends I'd start over Uzi this week. Agreed. And uh, Andy Dalton, going to give him a C. Uh, he's struggled without AJ Green as well, has combined for just 364 yards and three touchdowns in the two games without Green. Yeah. He was posting those numbers in one game with AJ, right, right. so just a C for him, but an A for Mixon, uh, Joe Mixon, coming off back-to-back brutal matchups against the Saints and Ravens. Quite the different story with Cleveland who has allowed 51 runs of 10 or more yards, the most in the league, and they've allowed 12 rushing touchdowns alone to running backs. So uh, mm. Mixon gets an A. Yeah, I like I do like Mixon here. I wish their offensive line was playing a little better, and they've been banged up some. But nevertheless, it feels like a good play. But the whole offense not the same without A.J. Green, for sure. How about this? Hugh Jackson is going to be on the other side of the field as Cleveland ends the futility streak that he was personally yep. responsible yep. for. Something else. Uh, isn't that just delicious? Cleveland. Mm. We're, we're, everyone's pulling for Cleveland. Everybody's pulling. I am. Even Bengals I, fans, probably. Probably. Are there any of those? No, the Bengals still in the playoff hunt. They're always in the hunt. They're always in the hunt. Well, last year they hunt. weren't. No, last They're year they weren't tigers. even in the. They weren't even in the hunt. Uh, Tennessee takes on Houston. Matt, this is a. Uh, this is a, a matchup between a slumping Tennessee offense and a surging Houston defense, and I don't like many players from the Tennessee side. Yeah, I don't either. I, I give a tepid uh, Derrick Henry C grade uh, for him. He was my take-a-chance-on-me runner. And then I gave Deion Lewis a C grade as well. After back-to-back 20-touch games, Lewis only tallied 11 touches for 32 combined yards last week against Indy. I mentioned that the touchdowns the Texans have given up uh, – in the Henry take a chance on me segment, 
They've also allowed five running back receiving touchdowns on the year. That's the second most in the NFL. Yeah. So there's, there's your angle. That on is, De- that's Deion the Lewis. angle and the only reason I think there's... What Did you give him a C grade, I yeah. assume? Yeah, C grade on Deion Lewis. Uh, Marcus Mariota and Blaine Gabbert, uh, whichever one ends up starting. It sounds like it's going to be Mariota, but they're both on the bench. He, he exited last week's game with what, what was described as a neck stinger. Either way, it's a bad matchup. The Texans are allowing the sixth fewest passing yards per game this season. And have not allowed a rushing touchdown to a quarterback all year. Uh, that means Corey Davis and the rest of the receivers are on the bench. The Texans haven't allowed a wide receiver score in four games. And the last time they played each other, Davis had a meager five catches for 55 yards. If you need a dart throw on some sort of Tennessee receiver, it's Jonu Smith, the tight end. Uh, he's been teetering on top 10 tight end points in the last month. And the Texans have allowed 18 receptions, 198 yards, and two touchdowns to opposing tight ends in just the last two weeks. So if anything, and you need a guy desperately because this is the Monday night game, yeah. and somebody came up lame, he's flexible, I guess. I, got, I have to start him in my league with Kelsey. Yeah. Over on the other side, DeAndre Hopkins is an obvious A. Demarius Thomas is an obvious bench. And Kiki Cutie is a C grade. In his return last week, he had... Thirty-seven and a half percent of the team's targets in his four That's full great. games, he scored or topped seventy-five yards in three of them. And over the last month, Tennessee is allowing two hundred thirteen receiving yards per game to wide receivers and almost two touchdowns per game. So there's plenty to go around between Hopkins and Cutie. And Cutie's lar- is largely unowned, right? I mean, it not well. That's that's a stretch. It, it, it went up large, and down yeah. and up and down because he's been injured a few times. So. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I'm giving only a C grade to. He's a high, yeah, he's a high upside play here, as evidenced by his five what? touchdown outburst in Week Eight against Miami. Yeah, look at this. Outside of that game, he's thrown for one or two touchdowns in every game. Wait, you said I? Oh, outside. I heard DeAndre Hopkins. No, you, I Deshaun think you said Watson. Deshaun Watson. Sorry, never mind. I you, rescind, you've never been I able rescind, to get those two straight. I rescind my <laughs> wah. Okay, all right. C grade on him. If I could do a wah backwards. Ah, <laughs> that would be it. So Watson, one or two touchdowns in every game, hasn't topped 239 passing yards in his last five outings. In those last five games, he's only topped 14 rushing yards once, and he's only got one rushing touchdown in the season, so he's only a C-grade. I'll jump in on, yeah. on Watson. The problem on. for Watson is volume. He hasn't topped 25 passes in five straight games. Yeah. And you just, you it, the, can't, the you just, 25, games, it's just, they're just not throwing. No, I mean, nobody, not they're, even Andrew they're, Luck. They're not throwing, and he's get, not running, so he's, right. not, he's not getting points. You just, it's soon, you, your quarterback, to get a consistent, high level of fantasy production, you have to throw more than 25 times, and he never does. They never let him. Last guy I'll mention is Lamar Miller. He's on the bench. Only one team has topped 100 yards against the Titans in their last five, and that was Indianapolis last week. In that game, Marlon Mack did score, but it took him 16 carries to get a paltry 61 yards. In their first meeting, Miller was held to 68 scoreless yards. He's only scored on the ground twice this year, and it's a tough matchup. He's on your bench. This is Fantasy Football Weekly, presented by Devonis on the fan. Fantasy Football Weekly on the fan. Um, I saw Sauce in here earlier. Is it pregame show Gophers? But no, that's too early. What What are we doing? What's What's after this? Uh, we got Gophers pregame starting it right is. at noon with okay. kickoff at two thirty. All right, fantastic. Uh, well, well, you will want to stay tuned for that. Final Final premature speculation of the year. Yes, Brian. If they beat us, 
uh, they're going to keep the axe, but are they going to take our oars, too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they the can, yeah, they can have the oars. Um, that axe is really big. It could double as an oar. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Um, final premature speculation for two reasons. One, it starts being, being increasingly meaningless as the season goes on. But also because beginning next year, we don't have any teams on by. And frankly, we just need the time to get to all the matchups and get all the matchups in. So, final premature speculation. Brian, go. All right. Uh, whether you're a Todd Gurley owner or not, let's go out and grab Malcolm Brown, uh, the backup running back in L.A., uh, averaging five yards per carry on 41 carries this year. Uh, and if you hadn't noticed until yesterday, I hadn't. Gurley has topped 16 carries just once in his last five games. Yeah, they're and, trying. they're trying to save him for the playoffs a little bit. And here's the scenario that's scary. They have the same record with the Saints, who own yeah. the tiebreaker because they beat the Rams. Uh, the Rams are at Detroit next week, mm-hmm. probably a win. Yeah. But then on the road again at Chicago. That's a which tough is one. Which is a tough one. Yeah. Next two games for the Saints, not too tough. So if, if uh, the point being, if if the Rams lose that Chicago game, yes, and the the Saints win their next two, they're shutting it down. Because they will have essentially clinched the number, clinched two, the number seed, two seed, not getting the number one. Yeah. So then you're looking at backups going into Week 15. 16, 17. And that I don't would think be they enough. can clinch that early, though. I think you'd, their clinch is like well, maybe 16 for the championship game. Pretty much if the, guarantee if, they're not going to get the number one seed. If, if yeah. they lose. But if the Bears beat the Rams, then the Bears hold the tiebreaker and the Rams would only be one game up on Nevertheless, so picking up Brown yeah, is probably a good yes, idea. All right. Matt. Mine's a lot quicker. It's Ty Montgomery. Packer fans may remember him. He's now a Baltimore Raven. Mm. Reason? Gus Edwards has one career catch. Wow. Next week, Ty Montgomery gets the Falcons, the mm-hmm. epically bad pass receiving running against running backs defense, the Atlanta Falcons. The week after that, he gets the Chiefs, and they're almost as bad. They've allowed the second most receptions to running backs, the most yards, and the most touchdowns to opposing runners through the air. So I'm not really worried about Javorius Buck Allen, who shaved Charges <laughs> Hamster long ago. He did. Ty Montgomery might come in and be the receiving back here, and let's give it a shot. All right. Um, I am going with Dante Pettis, the wide receiver. And this is more for Dynasty and Empire Leagues, really. So let me let me clarify. For the rest of the season, I don't really care about Dante Pettis. I'm talking to you guys that are in Dynasty and Empire Leagues. A, two things. Number one, Kyle Shanahan is totally legit as an offensive coach, and that Niners offense is going to continue to only get better. Jimmy Garoppolo coming back. They're going to be they are going to wash their hands of Pierre Garcon. You are going to want the starting wide receiver for the 49ers. And that at week one next year, it's going to be Goodwin and Dante Pettis. Yeah, just to, to pile on a little bit, they yeah. moved up to get him in the second round of the draft. They wanted Pettis. And he, yes. he had a great first game with Garoppolo, and he got injured in the second game on like a 30-yard catch. So Correct. he was off to a great start, and then he's just come back. I love it. Great so call. I know all you, you know, Dynasty and Empire Leaguers, some of you are out of it, and you can afford to you know just start thinking. You're already thinking about next year. Regardless if you're in or out of it, Dante Pettis is one of my favorite stashes for 2019. Go get him now. You could start him against Tampa Bay this yeah, week. Actually, you actually can start him this go, week. Yeah, That's I, right. He's almost my take a chance on me receiver. Yes. So, yeah, go get him. Yeah, there's regardless. that as well. Um, final matchup is Vikings versus Packers on Sunday night. Flipping pages to get to that one. Uh, we begin with Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings secondary has been terrific for five straight games, giving up, get this. 194 yards and 0.6 touchdowns per game. 196 and 0.6. 
Wow. In the first meeting this season between the teams, Rodgers was held to just 218 yards and one score. Now, in fairness, he was playing that game on half a knee, but still, anytime you can keep Aaron Rodgers full game plus overtime to 218 yards and one score, you've done something right. And going back, Rodgers has thrown zero or one touchdowns in four out of the last five against Minnesota. And either Jimmy Graham won't play or he's going to try to play with some kind of contraption around his, to, his thumb to try to protect it. So he's short a receiver there, too. So all in all, the best I can muster for Aaron Rodgers is a B grade, and that's mostly just because he's the best quarterback in the NFL. I could. If there were anybody else's name on this, he would probably be a C grade. Let's go to his receivers. Devontae Adams gets another, it's another just respect grade. He gets an A grade here. But he gets Xavier Rhodes for most of this game, and Xavier's been great lately. He's limited receivers to 37 or fewer yards in his coverage in four straight games. Um, that said, he has given up a season high nine catches for 75 yards against the Packers. Uh, or the Packers, uh, Devontae Adams had a season high nine catches, 75 yards against the Vikings in in, in, uh, in week number two, and he's been basically beating be- the opposing team's best coverage all season long. So Devontae Adams remains an A. All the rest of the receivers are on the bench. Marquez Veldes-Scantling may or may not play in the slot again, but then they, Randall Cobb is up to questionable, and he might split time, and then Marquez Veldes-Scantling wasn't getting any activity anyway since he moved to the slot, so he's dead to us. Church, and, say yep. it the right way. Marquez Veldes-Scantling. Thank you. MVS. MVS. Um, let's talk about the running back situation. I love Aaron Jones, and he's been great. But the Vikings, very tough to run upon as well. They've given up two rushing touchdowns all year. That's it. Right now, that's number one in the NFL. It had been uh, had been the Bears, but they gave up a couple of them to Garrett Blunt yeah, on, uh, yes, two days ago. Um, and the Vikings are giving up just 3.6 yards per carry. So now he does have an angle through the air. The Vikings um, aren't as good there. His targets, receptions, and receiving yards have increased in each of the past four weeks for Aaron Jones culminating in 63 yards and a score last week. The Vikings ranked 24th in running back receptions. And and they do get Anthony Barr back, though, and that should help. I think he'll pick up Aaron Jones out of the backfield a lot. But that's why he gets a B grade is because of what he could do through the air more so than what he would do on the ground. Let's go to the Vikings side. Kirk Cousins uh, gets a B grade in this game. Let me, let's note that the Green Bay secondary has just taken a beating with injuries. Kevin King, Kentrell Bryce, Raven Green, Bashad Breeland, all or some of them will miss game this game. And I, I don't know yet all of them yet, except I think Raven Green has been ruled out. I think the rest are all shaping up as game time decisions. It's um it could be a very good opportunity for a bounce back game for Cousins against a bunch of second stringers. Um since week four, though, Cousins average game is just two hundred and sixty yards and one and a half touchdowns. And obviously coming off a bad game in Chicago, still a B grade for Cousins. A grade for Stefan Diggs after a career high 18 targets last week. He's now just one of four NFL receivers to get double digit targets in at least seven different games. And that kind of volume generally makes Diggs very safe. He'll see a lot of the Packers rookie Jair Alexander, who is their best cornerback, but it's still a plus matchup for Stefan Diggs against the rookie. Adam Thielen, also an A grade. Three of Thielen's last four games against Green Bay have been very good with at least 97 yards, including his massive week two game where he had 12 catches, 131 yards, and a score. And now with J.R. Alexander moving to the outside, that puts Bashad Breland, if he can even play, into the nickel spot, assuming that Breland can go. 
And even if Breland does go, he's a subpar starter. So Thielen's got a fantastic matchup, and I could easily see him bouncing back to the production that we saw through September and October. Staying with the passing game, I've got Kyle Rudolph on the bench, who has disappeared from the Vikings offense. He did, though, have his best game of the year against the Packers in Week 2, but since then, just averaging three catches, 33 yards. We'd like to see a little more from uh, Kyle Rudolph. I'm assuming they're asking him to block more to make up for some deficiencies across the offensive line. And lastly, let's uh, mention Dalvin Cook. Only the Giants and Bengals have fewer rushing attempts than the Vikings do, and I can understand why Dalvin Cook hasn't been able to get it going, and if you take away a 70-yard run against the Lions, which isn't really fair, but if you do take it away, he's only averaging 2.4 yards per carry. Um, this still is a good opportunity However, because the Packers are giving up four and a half yards per carry, and they're now without their run-stuffing defensive tackle, Mike Daniels, one of the best in the business, and he uh, is not he is not expected to play. In fact, I think they've officially ruled him out. Seattle just ran for 151 yards against Green Bay without Mike Daniels. So I think this is a nice opportunity for a bounce-back game for Dalvin, uh, for Dalvin Cook. You could even try Latavius Murray. You know the bit here. He's an up-the-middle runner. That's where Mike Daniels would have been plausible dart throw for a rushing touchdown and a C grade for Latavius Murray. It is time for lightning round. All your questions answered. They must be in the form of one question between two players. Thank you for your patience. Everybody's been holding for a very long time, including Mike. Hello, Mike. Morning, guys. Uh, PCR, Dave Connor, Tony Michelle. Say it again, Mike. It was Connor or Michelle. Connor I'm going Michelle. Michelle in this game. I don't like the matchup for uh, Connor, and Michelle's going to get 20 carries in this game. Okay. Steve, hello. Steve, you've been holding for uh, two yeah, hours. Yeah, Mike there Williams you are. or John Brown. Okay, there we go. Ah, Brown. Ah, Brown. <laughs> against the Raiders. Yeah, Mike Mike Williams might be. Yeah, it's Brown. Yeah. It's Brown. If Tyrell Williams doesn't go, I could see maybe going Mike Williams, but... You didn't mention the Michael Crabtree revenge game, by the way. No, that's true. <laughs> it probably doesn't bear mentioning. Uh, Al- Alex, you are next. Yeah, I need to go Chris Carson or Gus Edwards, half-point PPR. Gus Edwards, baby! I love Gus in a fantastic matchup. Uh, Mike, you are next. Say hi, Kurt. Hi. Aw, hi. <laughs> so do I keep uh, Juju Smith or do I start... Sterling Shepard or Tyler Lockett? Uh, We're best of two around here. Lucky he had a cute kid. Sterling Shepard is the answer. Sterling Shepard. Adam, hello. Hi, guys. Uh, Nick Bullens or Andy Dalton? Uh, uh, Andy Dalton still. I don't feel great about it. Yeah. Ben, you are next. Hi, guys. I got uh, touchdown heavy. I'm dealing with the Melvin Gordon situation, concentrating on 12 o'clock games. Okay. Do I drop um, my guy and go for, uh, I guess, Duke Johnson when I have Chubb already or still Shepard? I'm not totally sure what you're asking, but you can't. You're he, saying drop. He says he has Chubb already. Okay. So he wants to know so it's Duke Johnson or Sterling, Sterling Shepard. Yeah. Is your question, yeah. Ben? Yeah. So it's it's, it's got to be Shepard this Shepherd. week. Shepard, I didn't awesome make a matchup match for Duke. Awesome matchup. Barely got a C. Okay. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Chad, you're next. Morning. Uh, standard scoring. Uh, Sony Michelle or Aaron Jones? Thanks, guys. 
I, I like Michelle this week. I like him a lot. Uh, I like Jones as well, but Michelle's my guy. Hi, Sue. Hi. Um, Kirk Cousins or Carson Wentz? All right. I'm going to go Kirk Cousins. I think that's the only way the Vikings can really generate points in this game is Cousins throwing three to four touchdowns. Uh, Rocco, you are next. Hey, guys. Should I risk it with Doug Baldwin or try to pick up DJ Moore? Uh, it was Baldwin or DJ Moore. Let's go DJ Moore. I like the I like the matchup anyway, and I just I just don't think Baldwin's going to go. And I don't like starting a wide receiver with a groin injury anyway because those guys get knocked out of games and re-injure themselves all the time. I think he mentioned that he might be dropping Doug Baldwin to make this move for DJ Moore. I and still I still might do that. Yeah, I think it's sabotage drop time on Doug Baldwin. It could be. Uh, Bob, you're next. Hi guys. Full point PPR flex. Corey Davis or Jack Doyle? Ugh. I had both of these guys in my my matchups, and I gave uh, Jack Doyle a starting grade and Corey Davis a bench grade, so there you go. There there we have it. Dan, you're next on the fan. Dan, hello. All right, we're moving on. Chuck, you're on the fan. Hey, standard scoring, Keenan Allen or Eric Ebron? Uh, Keenan Allen, particularly if Buda Baker does uh, does not go, but even if Buda Baker goes, I think I'd still go Keenan yeah, Allen. You're gonna have to make the decision before that anyway. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right, Keenan Allen. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you're next. Hey guys, great show. Thank uh, you. Say it, say it again, Fournette or Fournette or Connor or Fournette. Connor. Fournette. I don't like the Connor Connor's matchup this week. It's tough in Denver. Fournette's the guy. All right. Uh, Tom, you are next. Um, should I drop Peyton Barber and pick up Malcolm Brown and take him from the Todd Gurley owner? Yes. Okay. All right. You. I like that. Sneaky. It's underhanded. But this is the strategy. This is the strategy you need, right? These are the kinds of. Uh, it's not underhanded. It's just good strategy. That's all it is. Survival of the fittest. Absolutely. Um, if you haven't had a chance to check out Fanball's auctions, please do. Fanball.com slash bid. Play for free. See if you love it. It is so much fun and unlike anything you've ever done in fantasy football. Highly recommend that you give those a try. Also, if you haven't checked out the podcast or ranked or reviewed the podcast, you can do that at iTunes. Uh, also available at KFAN.com and on the iHeartRadio app where we have our own channel, Fantasy Football Weekly. Go for a pregame show coming up next. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you in a week. Bye-bye. This afternoon at 2.30, the Minnesota Gophers take on the Wisconsin Badgers on FM 100.3 The Fan. The Greater Twin Cities Honda Dealers are proud supporters of Gopher Athletics on iHeartRadio.